Well, good afternoon or good evening to all of you. Uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, Armin Tomasian shared a devotional that focused on three words, so many more. And I thought that was pretty amazing to just focus on three words in a text. And I won't be as laser focused as that, but I do want to draw our attention to three very short, simple, and yet challenging verses. If you were to ask most Christians, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? The most common response would probably be Jesus wept. But actually the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which simply reads, rejoice evermore or rejoice always. Uh, this verse is followed by another very short verse, pray without ceasing, which is followed by another relatively short verse, in everything give thanks. One author has recently called these verses the standing orders for the gospel. But then Paul goes on to complete his thought by telling us why we should be joyful, prayerful, and thankful always. For this is the will of God, the previous three commands, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's God's will for us to be joyful always, prayerful continually, and thankful comprehensively. Such short verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, but lifelong implications. Consider briefly just these three commands uh, with me for a moment. First, rejoice evermore. Uh, the Greek word here for rejoice is actually uh, a word that was used by Jesus to greet the women at the tomb um, after his resurrection. And Paul used these words at the very end of one of his letters as he bids farewell to his readers. Uh, the other morning when I attended church, I went up to a member and instead of saying hello, I said, rejoice. And this member responded, much to my amazement, evermore. <laughs> uh, obviously, we were on the same wavelengths at that moment. Uh, I lived for many years in Erie, Pennsylvania, which actually has the nickname in the winter months of Dreary Erie. It's uh, either snow covered or overcast for days at a time. And uh, thankfully, the trade-off is that there are spectacular, nearly unmatched sunsets uh, over the lake uh, in the summer. But long winters with overcast skies do affect people's attitudes. And I used to try to counteract that with reminding a little, uh, reminding myself of a uh, child's song that I learned as a little boy. Why should I care if the sun doesn't shine? <clears throat> Jesus is mine all of the time. Why should I care if the storm clouds are low? Jesus is with me, I know. Rejoicing evermore. <clears throat> that includes rejoicing after great spiritual victories, no doubt. Uh, Jesus sent the 72 disciples out to places where he would soon visit. <clears throat> and Luke 10, 17 uh, records that they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus listened, but he corrected their thinking, and he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subjected to you, but rejoice 
that your names are written in heaven. We rejoice in spiritual victories, no doubt, but more importantly, we rejoice in our great salvation and our great security in Jesus. So we need to have, nevertheless, rejoicing. But I think we need another kind of rejoicing, the yet I will type of rejoicing, <clears throat> yet I will type. This is found in Habakkuk 3.17, where Habakkuk says, although the fig tree shall not blossom and neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, my friends, uh, it's the presence of Jesus, not the absence of adversity that gives us a constant reason to rejoice. So even in the midst of pain wrenching uh, or, or body wrenching rather pain and heartbreaking circumstances and ever increasing persecution, personal rejection, uh, crushing setbacks, continual disappointment, even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can rejoice evermore. We may be sorrowing, but we can also be rejoicing. And so as we go to prayer today, in just a few moments, let's rejoice in God's character, in Christ's past and his present work. We can rejoice in the Holy Spirit's ministry, in so many spiritual blessings, in uh, divine providence, in answered prayer. We can rejoice in Christian fellowship and the ongoing access that we all have to the sufficient word of God. And we can rejoice when God sends revival and as we wait for him to do so. Uh, the second command is pray without ceasing. Pray continually. That speaks of an utter dependence upon God or a uh, a spirit of desperation for God. There are many different words for prayer in the New Testament, but this is the most generic one, really encompassing our thanksgiving, our confession, our petition, our intercession, and our submission to God. Somebody said it's the reverent elevation of our hearts to God. And to pray without ceasing means that we'll come to God repeatedly and frequently both during this hour together, as well as throughout the day uh, on our own. Prayer should never be very far from our minds or from our lips. It's kind of like a hacking cough you might have from time to time, or that little tickle in your throat that will not go away. Um, Spurgeon put it this way. He said, as the chest heaves with breath, so our soul should burst with prayer. You say, but how can I keep on praying without ceasing? Um, well, certainly a desire for God's glory keeps us praying without ceasing. A desire for fellowship with God, uh, for wisdom, uh, for relief from fear and worry, uh, for the salvation of lost family members and friends and the spiritual growth we want to experience along with others. So let us pray without ceasing until all of these desired realities are ours in abundance. And until the fullness of the Spirit's work among us, we see that in revival and awakening. 
Finally, Paul declares, in everything, give thanks. That is a comprehensive command in everything, and it's a clear one. Give thanks. Uh, Thanksgiving is to be the pure breath of our prayer. But so often we allow pollutants such as doubt and worldly thoughts and a critical spirit and impatience, a coldness in our hearts and a rebelliousness in our spirit. Many times uh, we need to confess those and forsake those when they arise. I've often said throughout my life it's that it's not what I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me the most. It's what I do understand. Commands like this that are very clear and convicting. And yet I know how fall, how I fall far short. You say, well, these commands seem somewhat impossible. And indeed they do. It seems impossible to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful always. How do we do that? I believe the answer is in the three words that we easily pass over in this text. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In Christ Jesus. Friends, we have this this union with Christ. We have communion with Christ. We are in Christ. And as we are in Christ, we can seek his face for revival. He's the one who sent revival in the past. And he is the one who can send it today. So let's be encouraged as we pray today to recognize our union with Christ and rest in our communion with Christ, which will produce in us joyful, prayerful, and thankful hearts.